Living with Diabetes, a podcast from Diabetes Victoria with Jack Fitzpatrick. Hello, one and all. Thanks for tuning in to the official Diabetes Victoria podcast. This is a great forum for those of us impacted by diabetes, whether it be directly or indirectly, to discuss ideas, share stories and build our diabetes community. I'm Jack Fitzpatrick, ex-Melbourne and Hawthorne AFL player and current Diabetes Victoria ambassador. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the Kulin Nations, where we are speaking from today, as well as all the lands across Australia, and pay my respects to all elders past and present, and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening in. Got a very, very special guest. Uh, I love speaking to anyone with diabetes, but it's always nice in particular to speak to someone who's an athlete. Uh, I certainly feel like we understand one another and certainly not many better credentialed athletes in Australia with diabetes, that's for sure. Sarah Clow is a premiership winning netballer with the New South Wales Swifts and, of course, an Australian netballer as well. Thanks so much for joining me, Sarah. Thanks for having me, Jack. It's great to chat to you. Now, a premiership and playing for Australia, it doesn't really get much better than that. Oh, it does. We just have to win another one. Well, yes, there's a World Cup or a Commonwealth Games gold, I suppose, that uh, that you can be aiming for. But as, as awesome as your sporting exploits um, have been or are, I'm here to talk to you about your life uh, living with diabetes. Of course. Fire so, away. <laughs> we'll get stuck straight into it. And one of my favorite things about talking to people who live with diabetes is that everyone has their own uh, diagnosis story. You know, some people have really high levels, some people have this, whatever it might be. But yours is a little bit different because it wasn't the sudden uns- onset with type 1 that, that everyone else seems to have had. Yeah, you're right. Um, I guess a lot of people kind of had that like sudden decrease in weight. Uh, best constant urination so I guess mine was quite different um as an athlete we have annual screenings and mine was picked up in a random blood test um the doctor um asked me if I had something sweet before going in and I think I had a couple of Uncle Toby's um muesli bars or something um and so I had it redone and it was still a little bit high so I wasn't quite diabetic yet I was kind of in like a limbo period so um, they gave me like a monitor to kind of just uh, take note of the levels uh, over a couple of years. And then in 2017, when I was 23 years old, um, I underwent a glucose tolerance test and that kind of indicated that my body wasn't processing as well as it should, unfortunately. So they suspected it was um, MODI, uh, which is slightly different. It kind of acts in a way uh, like type 2. So they gave me type 2 medication, Dimacron. So I was on that for two years and I kind of modified my diet. And obviously I was very active playing netball, so, so that's helped. But, um, yeah, I kind of was in that mindset, oh, I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'm fine. Like I'm never going to get yep. type 1. Like that's insane. Um, and then I trialed a CGM and that kind of indicated that my levels uh, were spiking a little bit too high and I was – probably exercising with levels uh, about 15, so probably not ideal and I need to get um, my levels under control. So saw my endo and um, in 2019, in February, um, he gave me the good news of being diagnosed with type 1. So uh, since then, I've been using insulin um, and it's just been over two years. 
So just over two years since your official type one diagnosis, but how how long was it that you were sort of in that limbo period for? You said was it since twenty seventeen? Was it? Uh, well, two thousand and fifteen, it kind of came as a bit of a red flag, but um, I guess I was taking tablets in two thousand seventeen. So I guess what three years? I've had a bit of a build up, um, yeah. but I guess you don't really realise what diabetes is until you kind of start using that insulin and the, I guess, the challenges that comes with it. So, um, yeah, I guess I was fortunate because I was able to process it a little bit, um, even though I was in mm-hmm. some, what, some denial. But, um, yeah, I recently caught up with someone who kind of was uh, admitted to the hospital straight away and they had about an hour to digest it all. So I, I can't even imagine what someone like that would have had to have been through. So. I am quite in some ways. You use the word denial of, um, you know, that, that you had almost had it for those first couple of years. So h- how old were you in, in 2015 when, when it first sort of got sprung on you? I think I was at t- 21 at the time. So I kind of yeah. just made like a running joke with my friends like, oh, yeah, they think I've got diabetes. Like, <laughs> they're so yeah. funny. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, kind of just, yeah, played so- it cool for those four years. And, <laughs> yeah, here I am today. So 21 years old and obviously playing netball and, and a really high level and a, an active and, and for want of a better word, normal young woman. Um, did you know much about diabetes? You said you, you know, learn more about it when, when you get it. But, you know, I, I was a similar age. I was two weeks before I turned 21. And, and my um, understanding of diabetes was all the stereotypes you hear in the media. It might be for people who are a little bit older or people who might not eat well or people who might be a, a little bit overweight or whatever it is. I certainly had no comprehension of what it actually was. Did you have much of an understanding beforehand? Yeah, well, I, I guess I was fortunate enough. I was at uni at the time. I was studying health science and I actually did a project on type 2 diabetes. So um, that kind of gave me somewhat some education around it. And I guess I just associated type 1 as being able to eat jelly beans whenever they want. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's sick. I could do that. Um, but yeah, I probably didn't quite understand the, the extent that type one diabetes has in terms of its management. So, um, but yeah, I love learning about the body and, um, I'm an occupational therapist at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's definitely helps with my journey as a type one diabetic. Jesus, not much more to fill out on your resume, uh, occupational therapist, you've got your, your degree from uni, you've played netball for Australia, you're bloody doing it all, that, that's for sure. How do you go on a day-by-day basis? Obviously, your training is an elite-level netballer, um, you, you OT. How, how do you measure your levels and, and to make sure that um, it's not impacting or interfering with your day-to-day life? Well, initially, I was using a glucose monitor, so it was kind of a lot of trial and error, and I certainly rode the roller coaster quite a few times, so that was uh, lots of fun. But um, fortunately, I've uh, come on board with MSL, and they've provided me with this amazing technology, so I'm using a Dexcom at the moment, so that's been really helpful, especially around um, training and trying to juggle all these commitments of uh, I guess not uni anymore, but uh, like a job that I'm starting. So it can be quite stressful. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome. But in terms of my management, um, every day is so different. Like I can't really tell you what I do because um, what I do in one week could be quite different to another. But I certainly find that exercise helps with my levels. Um, like I'm quite sensitive to insulin, so I don't really require that much. So um, I guess I'm fortunate in that aspect. But 
Um, I think routine's super important for me, so I, I try and stick to two or three of the same meals, especially having morning trainings. is nothing worse than having a hypo right before training. So um, that gives me more confidence to manage my diabetes. So with that, you spoke about routine. Do you try and, if you have training session now um, with netball, I'm not sure if it's say every Monday is the same or it might be three days before a game is the same or I'm not exactly sure. But when you know that you've got a similar day coming up, do you try and eat the same type of meal the night before and at the same time and go to bed at the same time? Do you, do you find that helps or do you find that much structure can be quite frustrating to deal with? Well, yeah, like obviously it would help to some extent, but I also believe in living a, a normal life. Like I don't think I should live like a regimented, like have to eat this yep. many grams at breakfast, this at lunch. So I am pretty flexible and I guess the longer I've had it, I've felt more comfortable with experimenting with those but um, I guess my biggest challenge is when I'm traveling away um, and having buffet breakfasts and going out for dinner I find that the most challenging so I guess I just have to be a little bit more cautious around that. Um, Good segue into the next question I was going to ask was obviously particularly playing for Australia but also with the Swifts there is a lot of travel with being a national athlete you're you're living away there's a lot of plane flights um, but particularly with the Diamonds you're away for weeks and weeks at a time so in terms of Firstly, making sure that you're taking enough of your diabetes supplies with you. And then secondly, having to deal with things that sort of happen on the run. What sort of difficulties do you have and and how do you sort of try and avoid them? Yeah, that's certainly been a question that I've had. Um, So I've bought a little cooler bag, which I kind of take with my travels. Um, Obviously, if it's just like a weekend trip, it's fine. But um, uh, recently going to New Zealand, I have a little um, esky, which I uh, took my just to make sure that's all good. The potential challenges that poses or, or what you can do or whether it be way to not stress so much about it, whether it be having a, a, simply a doctor on, on the tour or any any pre-planning you can do or, or any issues that you have come up with that you might not have thought ahead of prior to the trip. Oh, I'm usually quite an organised person, so fortunately I, I do overstock my insulin so run out, but there has been a time when we were in the hub up in Queensland, um, and one of my fellow netball friends, um, Verity Charles, she actually ran out of insulin and we were playing him that night. So she came over and she took a vial of insulin, so um, that was quite cute. Um, but in terms of challenges um, and travel, um, obviously time difference was quite challenging and I guess being steady on a plane, um, so just trying to adjust your um, insulin shots as accordingly. But... Um, I guess every day is quite challenging. It's not just when I'm traveling. So, um, mm. yeah, nothing's really stuck out or nothing that I can really think of right now. But, um, yeah. You mentioned Verity, Verity who plays, uh, she's over in WA, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so she also plays and she lives with type 1 and you guys obviously know each other quite well. She's had it longer than you. How helpful has it been knowing there is someone in a similar situation to you that when you got diagnosed... I can only think of my, you know, diagnosis story that I remember being in hospital um, and, and, you know, almost once the family go and you're by yourself that night, making a promise to yourself that um, diabetes is not going to be the reason I stop playing football. I cannot be good enough. I can be this. I can be that. The um, coaches don't have to rate me as a footballer. That's fine. But the reason 
I'm going to stop playing football will have nothing to do with my diabetes. Did, did seeing Verity and seeing how well she's coping with diabetes, did that immediately help you and, and spur you on to know that just because you've got diabetes, you don't have to stop playing? Well, when I was diagnosed, not once did I think it was going to stop me from playing netball or doing the things that I, I want to do because she's a living example of living with type 1 and I found that quite uh, motivating and inspirational and she was actually the first person I messaged um, once I was diagnosed and I think it was just really comforting knowing that there was someone else in a similar position. Um, even like the simple little things like um, buying like a little MIMCO purse to all your diabetes supplies in and um, like things to watch out for, like like uh, the sugar and grapes, like just the initial kind of like welcome to the diabetes club um, intro. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I certainly found that quite comforting and knowing that I guess other athletes like Sam Reed and I guess yourself, um, yeah, I just I didn't want to let it stop me from making that World Cup side and uh, fortunately, um, yeah, I did make it. So, um, yeah. Uh, uh- when you you mentioned other athletes, did you know Verity before um, you got diagnosed? Did you have a really good relationship, or was she just someone you sort of played with or against, and, and you just sort of knew of her? Uh, probably just played against her and kind of sort of knew her. We did have like a few camps at the AIS, like with Aussie camps and that. So um, yeah, we knew of each other. Um, but since having um, diabetes, she's kind of been my buddy and yeah it was really nice having her over in New Zealand and to kind of chat through our levels before the game and wondering why our levels are so high because we're stressed and all that adrenaline running through our, our bodies so um it was really cool to have that it's just I don't know this like unspoken bonds like you immediately connected yeah. with them knowing that they go through something so similar and that was going to be my next question that it's uh, I don't know what your uh, your experience with it is but whether it be, you know, certainly particularly other athletes who have diabetes and, and you know what they're going through in terms of not only being an athlete but living with diabetes. But then also, um, you know, you can meet anyone who's got type 1 or a relative with type 1 and you do feel this instant connection. Um, I'm sure people listening will be in a similar boat that you might not have even met them, but you almost feel like your best friend because you do have this thing that you're sharing. How do you explain that unspoken bond? I don't know how to explain it. I think it's kind of just knowing that they're going through the same things as you, the challenges that you kind of um, undertake each day. And I guess when I was first diagnosed, I had uh, quite a few people reach out to me, which was really nice. And immediately I felt so open and felt like we were best friends. Um, And that was really comforting. And um, even as a netballer, um, we hold netball clinics and, um, there's a young girl in particular, she's about 11 years old, um, and she wrote me a, a beautiful letter to tell me to keep keep trying really hard and not to let diabetes stop me from achieving my dreams. Um, so that was really sweet. And to think that she's 11 years old and she was writing to me, I found that quite motivating and um, yeah. it's incredible to see, um, I guess, Young, the youngins uh, live with type 1 diabetes. Um, I guess I'm fortunate enough because I am independent, but, God, it must be so challenging for them. So I'm very grateful I got diagnosed when I did. That's going to lead me to two questions. So the first one I will ask you about being independent. You are living in Sydney now, but um, you did, did actually grow up in South Australia. So obviously you've got the support of teammates and coaches and doctors and family and or, or friends certainly through netball, but have you found it to be difficult 
without family? I mean, when you first got diagnosed, were you still at home or were you living away from home? What, what was that like? Well, I think I kind of just brushed it under the carpet when I was at home. Um, and then when it did kind of fully happen here, I had uh, amazing support from my team and in in particular, my um, strength and conditioning coach, he lives with cystic fibrosis, so he has a fairly good understanding of how to live with a chronic condition. So um, he certainly helped me digest it all and kind of, I don't know, move on with it. Like, I mean, diabetes probably doesn't even compare with cystic fibrosis, so I just thought, oh, I got nothing on him. So, like, I, the least I can do is at least just train and do my best. So um, that definitely helped. And um I've also got a Sydney diabetes mum who is a, a netball fan and she's got a daughter who has diabetes. She's 11 years old and uh, when I was first diagnosed, she gave me a little, um, like, I guess, pamper box with, like, an eye mask and a little diabetes kit and um, just these really cute messages of, um, I guess, positivity. So that was really sweet and it's just comforting knowing that I've got her if I need, if I run out of insulin or um, just need someone to talk to. It's it's really nice, and obviously my housemates have been a massive support too. Yeah, absolutely. The the other question I wanted to ask on the back of that, you said that when you got diagnosed, you had so many people reach out to you, um, and I'm sure a lot of them were messages of support. But I'm sure a lot of them were also people asking you for tips and advice and about your experiences, and you know, seeing that externally here's this netballer, and you know, when we see you on TV or whatever it might be. It looks really easy. We, sometimes I think we can almost look, oh, she mustn't have hypos or days with bad sugar. She's an athlete. She's almost superwoman. Um, but then if you are getting asked for advice, how comfortable were you or how uncomfortable was it trying to think that, geez, guys, I've only you know really been dealing with this for six months or six weeks or a year. You have had it for 10 years, 15 years, whatever it might be. Is that something that you struggled with or, or maybe even still do struggle with? Yeah, certainly at first, that's three months in. And um, I mean, a lot of the messages were kind of um, comments or I guess points of motivation, like, oh, you're like a great role model. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's great to see how well you're doing and that. Um, but then obviously, I, I sometimes get some advice questions too. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm three months in. I have no idea what I'm doing. And even to this day, I'm constantly learning. I still do a lot of trial and error. I mean, I have certainly improved, but um, sometimes you just can't control. Um, some of the variables um, mm-hmm. but yeah I almost felt like a bit of a fraud uh, trying to give advice when I'm three months into this diagnosis when these people have been living with it for years so um, I certainly felt a little bit uncomfortable but I was more than happy to kind of just speak from my experience and chat with them and um, try and be that positive role model for them but um, also wanted to let them know that you know, I'm not perfect, certainly not perfect. Just because I play netball, um, I'm just like you. I'm normal and I'm going to have my roller coaster days as well. I, I love that you used the word fraud there because I, I certainly know what you're talking about. As you said, you have people that have had it for twice as long or 10 times as long as what you have and they seem to be asking you for advice and it just doesn't quite seem to make sense. And obviously, you're happy to talk and share yeah. your experiences. So obviously, again, if we're watching you on TV, you're playing that ball and you're tall and you're athletic and you're confident and, you know, you're going through the ball and you look like, you know, a total hard ass or a bad ass. But you as a person, um, are you a bit more shy and reserved and, and that can also then become uncomfortable if people are trying to reach out and, and speak to you? Does it? Does you also find that? I've definitely grown confident, um, but yeah, I'm probably more reserved and shy um, and I'm probably 
the person to kind of ask for advice rather than give advice. Um, but sometimes that works because I think bouncing off questions is probably the best way to communicate with someone with type one because uh, um, I do the same thing and um, everyone's so different. So I guess I try and make it more mutual rather than me telling them what to do because I certainly don't have any um, diabetic educational certificates. So I, I'm not like qualified to kind of tell them what to do, but I can certainly help them. Like um, I can tell them my routine or um, like what helps me. So um, I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of help in that way. And certainly on that, I mean, it, it's so fascinating. I mean, you know, use you and my, you and I as a prime example. I've obviously retired now and um, haven't been playing footy for a couple of years. And I noticed that my lifestyle in terms of the impact that diabetes has on me is completely different. You know, I, I need more insulin now because I'm not quite as fit. I, I'm working, a, again, for one of a better word, a normal job. So I have to fit in things like exercise on top of that as opposed to when I was an athlete, it was my job. But even, you know, comparing myself as an athlete to you, we both might be professional athletes living with diabetes, but, you know, you're a female, I'm a male, I'm taller, I weigh more, we have different routines, different things work differently for our bodies. So we can never be spot on with um, our, our routine. And I think it's really important, and I, I say this all the time, that it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It is t- whatever individually works for you best. And I think I love talking to people with diabetes and hearing what they do and what works for them. And I might be able to just take little bits and pieces from different people to work out what the best routine for myself is personally. But that doesn't mean that it's right for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Have to agree with that. And, and getting to sport in itself, as I said, seeing you playing for Australia or for the Swifts and winning premierships and all those kinds of things, it's awesome. But how many issues have you had with either high levels or low levels, whether it be at training or games or anything like that? Um, I guess initially, I, like I said, I, I, I rode with the roller coaster quite a few times um, initially over those first couple of months. Um, but fortunately, I've been pretty good with my I guess just monitoring and trying to avoid really high carb things obviously I'm an athlete and I do need to have carbs for energy but um yeah I've kind of over time just learned how my body reacts to different foods and that but um in terms of games I'm very diligent and I fortunately haven't had a hypo sometimes it can go higher but I, I don't really notice the symptoms as much um, maybe just sometimes a little bit foggy, but I guess that just comes with the build-up with the crowd and the adrenaline and everything with that. I guess it's that fine line of giving yourself too much insulin um, before a game and having that stress of, am I going to drop? Like, was that a hollow high? Like, was that actually a high? Or was that just, like, my body reacting to that? Um, but in terms of training, um, I definitely have had episodes where, I'm trying to catch a ball and I'm, I'm dropping it and I, I can't really see properly and I'm feeling a little bit, I guess, intoxicated, I guess you could say. So uh, I've definitely had those moments, but uh, over time, uh, more recently, I've had less of them, which is good. Well, that certainly is good. I'll come back to your use of intoxicated in a sec because I do want to know how you go with alcohol and diabetes. But one thing that I found was that I used to have jelly beans at training and lollies in my locker. And almost on a daily basis, I'd go there when I'd actually need them. And my teammates had snuck in and, and stolen them all. Do, do you have the same issues with your teammates or are they a little bit more understanding than the football boys? Oh, sometimes when I whip out the Skittles, the girls are like, oh, I could so go some Skittles. So I just give them 
the packet. And but we've always got parries on standby, so I often resort to that. Um, having one of them on the sideline, uh, particularly at training. But on game day, if anything, my levels increase, so I try and avoid having um, sugary drinks and that there. Um, but yeah, always got skittles or lollies or um, yeah, parried on standby. Now, to back to that intoxicated question, you are a normal, again, for want of a better word, I hate the word, so we'll use inverted commas, but a normal young woman um, in her 20s, I'm sure at times, even though it might be tough as an athlete, you like to go out and have fun and, and have a drink or two. How have you found that with diabetes? Do you have any issues on nights out? Do you have plans? How do you, you how do you work in your sort of world? Yeah, obviously during the season we don't really drink, but obviously after winning a grand final, you're going to go out and celebrate with your teammates. So I guess um, eating something is probably um, my first priority. Um, That's really important. Um, And obviously just sticking to non-sugary drinks, so like wine or sodas. So, um, yeah, it can be challenging because obviously there's that kind of delayed curve. Um, So it's something that I haven't really nailed, which is probably a good thing um, because that means I'm not drinking too much. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it can be very challenging when it comes to drinking alcohol and having a good time because when when you're drunk, it's kind of similar to the feeling of having a hypo. So it's hard to kind of distinguish uh, the difference uh, between the two. So um, it's just making sure that you tell your mates and make sure that they check in on you. just because you don't want to, I guess, have a little slip up or, um, yeah, have any negative consequences at the end of the night. And and you are so right. That feeling of, of having a hypo can be so similar to being a bit tipsy or, or a bit drunk. Have you ever, ever had any occasions where you thought you were drunk and didn't do much about it and then about half an hour you just started feeling worse and, and you were having a hypo or, or anything along those lines or have you been lucky so far, Touchwood? I've been pretty fortunate, but there was one occasion where I was actually swimming at the time um, and I got out and tested my uh, sugars and it was in the twos. So I was very dangerous and it was a a good reality check for myself. Um, So it's, yeah, having the Dexcom now, I've always got my phone on standby. So I'm always kind of glancing at that, making sure that I'm in within range. um, And that's definitely helped. 100%. And what about do you find, um, I I find that, like you are, I try and stay away from the sugary drinks these days if I'm drinking. So I know beer's got sugar, but I try and avoid anything with, you know, a lemonade or a Coke or a Red Bull or something like that. Um, but is it the food that you eat when you're drinking as well that might potentially be the issue? Because I certainly know that when I'm having a, a drink, uh, it's you're not eating the most healthy food of all time. It can either be takeaway or it can be chips. It can be anything like that. Do you try from that or, or is, it, is it a bit inevitable, do you think? Yeah, it it certainly is challenging, obviously, when you go out with your friends, you're probably going to get some pizzas to share or some chips. So it's that in itself, it's kind of hard to kind of count how many carbs there are in that that crust, that those chips. So um, yeah. without the alcohol, that's a challenge in itself. So putting alcohol into that kind of mixture um, definitely is challenging. Um, yeah, so I guess if you're – I think if I had like a salad and then had alcohol, I'd probably go – too low so I think for me carbs is really important I'd rather probably sit a little bit higher if I was having a night out with the girls Um, that's probably my little tip and you also spoke about your friends knowing and and potentially looking out for you so I'm going to move away from alcohol and just talk about 
again, for want of a better word, being a normal young girl. Now, you are in your 20s, you like to go out, have a good time, meet people, potentially date, for example. Are you self-conscious about having diabetes? Now, you obviously have a sensor that you wear at the moment with your Dexcom. Are you self-conscious at all about that? Do you avoid telling people or are you open about that with people that you meet, whether it be other girls or, or guys that you might be looking at? Oh, well, it is what it is. Like, I can't change it, so why hide it? Um, I think in a social setting, sometimes I, I don't feel like the 20 questions, so I kind of do it in the, the – well, not in the corner, but just do it subtly while everyone's talking. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty open about it. Like, if they want to chat about it, if they think it's weird, good on them. Like, I, I can't really change it. It is – what it is, um, but yeah, um, it doesn't really phase me. It is, it is who you are at the end of the day, I guess. Exactly. So then, on that note, you, you said the twenty questions is something that we certainly get as people living with diabetes all the time. Um, and now, some of the questions are from our teammates, and they don't know anything about diabetes. Some are people that you meet in the street. Some might be, as I said, people you're potentially dating. Whatever it might be. How often do these people ask questions that actually can come across as rude or, or ignorant? Um, and then do you sometimes have to remind yourself that it was only four or five years ago you yourself didn't know much about diabetes and, and might have asked questions that on the surface might appear rude or ignorant, but generally do you just find that they are interested and want to know more? Yeah, quite often like they just want to know more and are interested. Like if I am um, using my insulin for training, they say like, oh, are you too high? Are you too low? So it's quite genuine, but you do obviously get your, um, I guess, not or interesting comments. Like even um, I think it was like my first time picking up my strips um, and the pharmacist uh, said, oh, you don't look like a diabetic. Um, so that was quite interesting. Or um, even just like wearing my Dexcom, one of the girls was like, oh, so do you have to wear that all the time? Like as if this, like, disease is just going to disappear so uh, I found that quite funny um but no I've been pretty fortunate everyone's been quite positive and um pretty okay with their questions and um pretty understanding like not everyone's done a health science degree or um has a really good understanding of type one so I definitely understand that and you spoke about wearing common and a girl asking do you have to wear that all the time I asked you the question in terms of explaining it to people, but are you conscious about it with what you wear, whether it be dressing up for official functions and, and getting into a nice, lovely dress or, or a night out or it might be going to the beach um, and wearing a bikini? Do you become self-conscious that you've got this, at the moment, this patch on you that, that people can see or is it, again, a case of just owning it because that's who you are? I mean, to be fair, like if I'm wearing a dress like, or if I'm going out, like I'm going to be clothed, like no one really notices it because I wear it on my stomach. Obviously, if I'm going to the beach, it's a little bit more noticeable or if I'm doing my recovery with the girls, um, it's obviously um, in sight. Um, probably initially I was like, oh, God, weird, like technology gadget hanging out from my stomach. Like people are probably looking at me thinking like, who is this robot? Um, so I think at first I was probably a little bit self-conscious um, but I even was just scrolling through my stories the other day and I saw um, a girl wearing it at a festival. She had a, like a skirt and kind of like a mid-top um, and it was on display and I, th I thought that was really cool and, um, I mean, I, I guess that kind of gives me um, the confidence to wear it as well if, I don't know, like who cares if what other people think of you. Um, hmm. Yeah, own it. <laughs> 
own it 100%. I think it's a great, just before we do get to finishing up, to hear that, you know, again, from an external point of view, you're a young... A, a, a woman who's playing as netball for Australia, you won premierships, you're, you're obviously very accomplished and we look at you like a boss, but here you are taking inspiration from a girl who's at a festival doing something, again, completely normal, for want of that better word, um, and saying, yeah, it's awesome that you are owning it. And I think it's a really great reminder that, yep, we see you on TV or the, our screens and think, gee, she's superwoman, but at the end of the day, you are just another person in this world trying to navigate this crazy life living with diabetes that we uh, that we all know. Exactly. And on that, is there any final messages you would like to share with people before I do let you go? Because I could talk to you all day about shared experiences, about whether it be being an athlete living with diabetes, whether it be just simple life as a uh, living with diabetes, but any final messages you would like to get um, out there for the people listening in, whether they are living with diabetes themselves or they might be a, a, a cared one or a loved one of someone with diabetes? Oh, well, I guess just from my experience, athlete, like we're pushing our bodies both physically and mentally. And I think that mental side has certainly helped me with, um, I guess, my persistence of managing diabetes. So um, it's been a really helpful kind of um, transferable, I guess, experience that I could kind of use. So um, that's been great. But I think for other diabetics, um, just learning from your failures and um, just trying to educate yourself and learn as much as you can. And then I guess the less surprises you're going to have um, down the line and, um, yeah, just be kind and don't strive to be perfect because sometimes you, you just can't control everything. So, um, yeah, just do your best and take day by day. I actually, I, before I do let you go, I, what you said, it just triggers me with one final question. You said failures um, there and, and I think it was Albert Einstein. I could be wrong, so please don't hold me to this, who said, I haven't failed. I've just found another way that doesn't. But you said being an athlete and, you know, trying to avoid surprises, et cetera. Do you find that being someone who's so competitive, obviously it's quite literally your job to to win or lose at the end of the day, but do you compete with yourself regarding diabetes even more than you do with your own performance in the netball world? Uh, very quickly, my personal experience, people will ask me what was the best game you played or your favorite football memory and Mine was actually a game where I did play a game of AFL and literally standing in the race before I walked out, my sugars were 22, which was abnormal <sighs> for me. They were never at that level and I actually oh felt fine. Goodness. But I said, I just turned to the doctor and said, Doc, just so you know, my sugars are 22. Um, I feel fine, but in case something happens. And I was standing at the bottom of the race at the MCG uh, giving myself a couple of units of insulin, which was never a part of my regime. I always used to play high between that 10 to 13 range. But anyway, I got through that game and played quite well. And for me, that was my great personal memory of, of football because it almost felt like I, I won two battles. I won the fo football battle, but also my, my personal battle with what was going on with my body that day. Do you find you're so competitive with it that, okay, you had great levels last week when you played or last training session? So if they're not so good this time, you actually get frustrated with yourself. Why? Or, or are you not quite as hard on yourself? At first, I was really striving to get that really tight control and then I was having too many hypos, so I was probably trying to, I guess, expect that perfection straight away. So over time, um, I'm learning that, I guess, yeah, as an athlete as well, it's you're going to fail, um, but I guess it's just changing that mindset of, I guess, having that desire to succeed and it's all about your attitude and not, I guess, getting discouraged when something doesn't go right. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, no, no amazing stories like that. But um, it certainly is kind of like a two battle situation though with the netball and the deuces. Um, certainly um, a lot of brain power trying to manage everything. But um, yeah, I guess it's kind of like that small win with inside you. Like, yes, like my sugars are great and we won. Like, so I think, yeah, it's kind of like a little pat on the back. And I think it's a yeah, great feeling. No, absolutely, Sarah. That's a, it's a great note to finish on. And I do just want to clear up for the record while I've got you on air. I did say at the start of the show it's Sarah Clow, but can you confirm that my pronunciation is right? That is correct. Well done. Oh, thank you so much. I put in so much work before the show in, in making sure I got that right. So uh, that's my big stress for the day out, out of the way. As I said, I could talk to you for hours about shared experiences, your take, Concerned, but I really appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you. You know, you do so much now. You speak up, you share your experiences, all your social media, and, and those kinds of things. So it's great to see. Again, you're a prime example of someone I've never actually met, but it already feels like we're best friends just uh, through that great type one connection. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And it's amazing what you do for um, diabetes. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool, and it only helps others in the community to. I guess feel connected and know that they're not alone as well. So, yeah, good job. Well said. Knowing we're not alone, that's probably the best way I could have finished it myself. So let's leave it on that, Sarah. You're right, whether it be athletes or not. We're not alone. We're all in this together. Thank you so much, Sarah Clow, uh, New South Wales Swift and Australian Diamond Netballer for joining me on the Diabetes Victoria podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the program. If you'd like to contact us, it's very easy. Simply send an email to podcast at diabetesvic.org.au. Or, of course, all the information you'll need is on the website, diabetesvic.org.au. diabetesvic.org.au or of course all the information you'll need is on the website diabetesvic.org.au